0: You know, everything that we do here uh, at 360 uh, is uh, always has a purpose, at least it's our intention. And uh, our purpose is um, not uh, random. Even when we have a parent's night out, it has a purpose. It's not uh, just to, to, of course, drop the kids off, although that's an added benefit for some of you, I'm sure. But uh, but it's also to say, hey, we're we're giving you some intentional time to be either you know, with your spouse or with other friends, and, and we hope that you'll take advantage of that. One of the things that we've been talking about here for the past uh, uh, number of weeks is an exciting mission uh, for, that, it, that we are sending a missionary out. It's your first time hearing that. Our, one of our pastors here on staff, Jim Childs, our associate pastor, has an incredible ministry bridging the church to the LGBT community. And uh, his ministry here is called Breakthrough. And there have been information and in your handout, the weekly, each week. Um, not only is this an incredible ministry, but it's part of uh, our 10-year dream here at 360. Uh, some of you that may be unfamiliar with, but we believe that it's important to know where you're going. And uh, we have a three-year goal of, of having the ministry of Breakthrough in five different churches somewhere in the United States and this is one strong move in that direction. So it is, it is kind of a, a dual a beauty of having a, a ministry that is uh, flourishing here within our local church, but is also um, a kingdom-sized uh, dream of reaching others, and it's so incredibly uh, important, especially so relevant in our culture today. Uh, The church does not really, uh, does not do a great job with bridging a gap with love and grace and truth uh, to the LGBT community, and I'm proud of the work that Jim has done. We've invited uh, those of you that God moves to partner with Jim financially. Uh, The movement has been exciting so far. And so uh, one of the things that we made note of is that we put a card in the seat back pocket Many of you took that and we figured out that there was no way that you could do it at home. so we've we've revamped that card uh, in case that makes it easier for you. I think it will. you can do a lot of this online and so I just wanted to bring that to your attention as I will in the next coming weeks. I want to remind you that when we send out a missionary of our church we take it very seriously and uh, I'm proud of our church for the for who we are and the heartbeat of of support and the heartbeat for ministry. So I, I'm, I will ask you again to take the card home, pray, pray for the ministry, pray for uh, the, the support that uh, is necessary to launch this, and pray what your, your part would be. And, uh, and we'll be extremely thrilled to hear stories uh, of life change and transformation, and it's all born out of relationships. This is a very unique and personally uh, exciting and rewarding Sunday morning for me. Uh, 35 and a half years ago, I was a music student at a very high-level conservatory in, in the city of Boston, and uh, I had been searching for God for two years. I saw Billy Graham on television on a little black-and-white TV and uh, had zero relationship with God. And it was at that that message that Billy Graham preached, I did not come to Christ, but it ignited in me the awareness of my need for God. I did not come to Christ at the bottom of my of my career, the bottom of my life, but rather the, the top. I had achieved a lot in music. Uh, the school I went to is probably in the top three schools in the country, and I was excelling at what I was doing. And it's just proof that God meets us at the top, in the middle, and the bottom. And sometimes we become aware of God, our need for God when we, uh, the bottom is dropped out. But there's also a time when you, you realize that even though you have everything, it's not enough, and God and God meets you there. So I began to search for, for a church that preached the gospel, and I didn't even know that language, but I was reading the Bible a lot in my search. And as I lived in a, in a big city, I would look in the phone book, and I would try to find a location, a new kid in a big city, a location where I could uh, recognize, and I'd hop the subway and go to that location. It was an extremely lonely time for me with uh, in my search, because I was at a school where God was not part of, and so I began to uh, just hunger for something I really didn't even know what I was hungering for. That's sometimes the case when you search for God. I began to become more brave and get more more away from uh, my home uh, apartment, which was a rat hole, by the way, uh, in the inner city of Boston. And I found myself after a year, because in a big city, you know, there are beautiful cathedral structures, but uh, the heartbeat of the, the church and the gospel often is flat. And so I found myself at a little church in Cambridge, and uh, so small uh, that it was nestled in the neighborhood. And I walked past it three or four times until I said, hey, is there a church? And he goes, yeah, the, the one you'd walk past three or four times. And uh, on May 2nd, 1982, I walked in the church, and uh, the man that was preaching, was his name was Pastor Titus, and uh, he preached the gospel strongly that day uh, and offered an invitation to follow Christ and trust him. And I raised my hand that day, but uh, I surrendered my heart. And uh, so we traveled to Boston not too long ago, and I was looking him up since, uh, and found him on the, uh, after a pretty robust internet search and uh, found that he had, was living in Atlanta, and so I reached out to him and said, hey, just after 35 years, I wanted to reach out and say, uh, I'm still carrying the investment that you made. Because Christ not only changed my life, but I was discipled. And this is where our one-to-one culture was born, at least in your pastor's heart. He invited me to live in the apartment building, which was right next to the church. And I moved there, and I had a Christian roommate and uh, Titus, as I call him, he uh, discipled me uh, once a week. I would meet on the second floor in his apartment, and um, I became part of his family. And it was the relationship what I uh, was looking for. Um, it's my honor to say to you today that he is here with us. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Um, uh, he and his wife Miryama uh, is, is here with us today as well. Uh, good to see you. <clears throat> yes, and uh, also his uh, his great nephew Daniel is uh, here with us today. <clears throat> we had a wonderful dinner last night together, and uh, when he prayed um, at the end, I was reminded. Um, how important discipleship is, how important relationships are, how important uh, one-to-one, because there was just a resonance in my soul of like how much I needed someone there. And this is, this is why uh, our church has a passion for one-to-one discipleship. We have a treat today. So uh, you're going to see Disciple Maker and Disciple preach today. So uh, Titus is going to pr- bring the Word of God. Uh, for the glory of God, and then uh, he's. Then I'll, I will follow up after him. So, would you give uh, a 360 family welcome to uh, my brother?
1: Well, I am uh, deeply humiliated by the kind words of Pastor Steve McCoy back in 1980 when I was preaching at the Church of the Nazarene in, in Cambridge Steve opened his heart to Jesus Christ and um, we are extremely happy this morning to stand here in this church God has used him in a very mighty way and we bring greetings to not only Pastor Steve McCoy and family but also to uh, pastor staff and elders and uh, all those who are involved in the ministry of this church. I come from, I was born in India, South India. Uh, The Lord called me to, um, I have seven siblings. We are eight in the family. God called me to serve him, to preach the gospel. From my high school I have been doing that and uh, I'm still doing it over 40, over 50 years. And I am very happy to do that. And uh, it's my great privilege to, to stand before you this morning uh, to share from God's word. I majored in physics and mathematics uh, back in the 60s. And then I got married to mariamma whom you see here. And uh, mariamma's uh, older brother's uh, son's son, son, great. Uh, grandson, Daniel, is here with us. We traveled together from uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, Came over here last evening, and we are here with you today. God willing, this is not the last trip, and uh, we also invite you to come to Atlanta. It's only seven to eight hours. We have a nice home there. I spent a lot of time, uh, over 40 years, in the northeast, uh, there are many, many people like Steve. I think that's my investment for God's kingdom to people coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ. There is nothing more beautiful and great, greater than that. And I am so thankful to God for that. So I, I hope uh, someday some of you would be able to join us over there. And this is Christmas season. At the same time, I know Pastor Steve McCoy has a uh, started a new series from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, uh, especially verse 3. All things were made by Him. Him means Jesus Christ, who was in the beginning with God, who is God, and all things were made by Him. Along with that, let me read to you from 2 Corinthians, chapter 5. If you have a Bible, you may please open and follow with me, 2 Corinthians 5, beginning verse uh, uh, six, uh, 16, uh, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All the things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. We are living in a world with a lot of enmity. You name it, America or India or any country, It's a lot of politics and a lot of enmity, fighting and splitting all around. But the old gospel is still alive and new, In the gospel we read, God is still active in reconciling the people to God. This is one of the greatest passages of the whole Bible. God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world unto God. Who is this God? We see him as the creator of the universe. When I was studying physics, I learned a little bit about matter and energy. Energy can be converted into matter or vice versa. For example, yesterday we filled the tank, a lot of matter in a liquid form, petroleum. And that energy brought us all the way here from Georgia to Sarasota, Florida. Energy. When we read the Bible, the Bible doesn't try to prove the existence of God. But rather we read Genesis 1.1, In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. In Hebrews 1, we read that the world was created by the word of God. W-O-R-D, word. Word. Word is a form of energy. Sound waves coming out of the mouth of God. That's what we call word. By the word of God, that word, the sound waves, became a form of energy. And to me, that energy was converted into matter. Let there be. And that's how God created the whole universe. There are so many other theories, Darwinism and all that, and I don't take time to go into that this morning. But my friends, let me tell you, we have a creator in the person of God, the Almighty. God created us with a plan and a purpose. Here we read in 2 Corinthians 5, If any person be in Christ, he is a new creation. So, God is not only the creator, but he is the new, the creation, uh, the creator of the new beings. We call it uh, redemption. God not only created Adam and Eve or the whole human race, but also he is in the business of creating New people. Meaning, if any person be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. To me, Steve and Kerry, they are like brother and sister. A new creation took place. All the wife was born on the other side of the planet, earth, the globe. Back in December 3rd, 1969, I left India and then came to the European Bible Seminary. In 1971, we came to the United States to continue our theological training. And uh, we got involved in the ministry. Uh, in, back in 1982, as, as you heard from me before, while I was preaching, young boy... Steve McCoy was there. Now he is Pastor Steve McCoy, a great man of God. I thank God and I rejoice that God has used him in a mighty way to bring many people into God's kingdom. If any person be in Christ, he is a new creation. During this Christmas season, this is the message I want to bring to you. If you are in Christ, You are not the old creation, but you are a new creation. You found a new ownership. God owns you. You say, our Father who art in heaven. When I was in primary school, I did not understand the meaning of that prayer. Heavenly Father, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Actually, I am putting a website these last few months on the Lord's Prayer and if you want to be on that, you can get onto the website and read it. Because the Lord Jesus gave some very deep, meaningful statements on the kingdom of God. Who are we? Why are we here? Where are we going? Our final destiny. No matter what, We need to understand that. We are highly advanced in science and technology, but at the same time, we have failed to know the living God. God is our creator, and also God is the one to give us new life. When you were singing that song, I was thrilled to hear God's marvelous work to bring us into his kingdom, and to make us new. This is exactly what St. Paul wrote around 2,000 years ago. If any person be in Christ, he or she is a new creation. All the things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new. How it happened, I will continue on that text uh, in the next hour. (laughs) Because it takes a lot of time to explain that. I'm not uh, looking for a lot of time to do a lot of preaching. But my friends, God did something in me. I was a farmer boy in my childhood, uh, feeding cows and buffaloes and sheep, and working with with my father. But the call of God came on me and now I am very happy and proud to stand before hundreds and thousands of people to proclaim the gospel. Jesus said, all power has been given unto me, therefore go and proclaim the gospel. And the second one, teach them to observe all things I have commanded unto you. I'm so glad I spent a year, uh, one, one, one hour a week or so, with the brother Steve in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Now he is involved in disciple making. Jesus said, not only to proclaim or preach, but teach them to observe or to do whatever I have told you. Whatever we read in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then Paul explains those and the other apostles, uh, Peter and uh, John and James. They all explains, explained the word of Jesus Christ. And we have to observe them throughout our lives. Not just to learn the catechism or uh, fundamental doctrines, or uh, the history of the church. But there is much, nothing, there is much more to that. The gospel is to live, not to preach and teach alone. But the gospel is to bring, the life changing power of God is in the gospel. That's why Jesus said, All power has give, been given unto me. Therefore, go and preach and teach. And that's what I have been doing all my life since Jesus called me. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto God. It is not easy to understand that. No matter how intelligent we are. Can you imagine? The creator of the universe, God, was in Christ Jesus. Baby Jesus of Bethlehem. The son of Mary and Joseph. Some, of, some people call him. God was in Jesus of Nazareth. Well, where was Jesus? Where was God? When Jesus was baptized, the voice came from heaven. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. In whom... I am well pleased. At the grave of Lazarus, there were a lot of people with tears, crying, including Mary and Martha. Even Jesus, the the smallest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Can you imagine? Jesus wept. He put himself into the shoes of Mary and Martha. He wept with them. He felt the pain. At the same time, who is this Jesus? God was in Christ Jesus to reconcile the world unto God. In few moments, the situation changed. Jesus with authority and power Proclaimed or uttered or made a loud noise, Lazarus came come down. He was dead for 44 days, stinging body in the grave. Lazarus heard Jesus' voice, came to the grave and came out. Can you believe? Why? God was in Christ reconciling the world unto God. The very God, the creator of the universe was in Jesus Christ. No matter what people think about Jesus. No matter how they uh, make uh, the story. Not the Christmas tree. Not the Christmas stars, not a lot of packets under the tree. But what is Christ? God sent his son. God the Almighty came in human flesh. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto God. No matter how we try, it is impossible to understand the full meaning of that in order for you and me to be reconciled to each other, broken families, problems with neighbors, problems all around, racism, nationality problems, you name it, God is the solution for every problem of human beings. God is the only problem of the whole world for every person, why? People live in peace with other people. People need to live in peace with God. So God has a way of doing it. I have seen thousands of people in Europe, in Asia, here in the US, who are reconciled to each other. They are brothers and sisters in the big family of God. I met at least uh, more than 200 families of Kerala origin in Atlanta area. And they love to come to listen to the word of God. There is nothing in the world better than the word of God with the transforming power of God at work for every family, every person, every individual. God was in Christ reconciling the world and to God. Now coming to the close, God has given to you and me a ministry. What is that ministry? A ministry of reconciliation. Making peace with each other. Living in peace and harmony in a community, in a society, wherever wherever you might be. That uh, there is no philosophy, no technology, no politics, no sociology, there's nothing which can do that job. Only God can transform our hearts. Only God can transform our hearts. We read that again and again and again, stories after stories in the Bible. The second boy left everything behind, left his father he said, Father, I don't need you, but I need your money. You know the story, I don't need to explain. I need your money. I don't need you. He went far away and wasted everything. But there came a time in his life, he said, How many of my the servants are eating and enjoying life? But I am wretched. I am ugly. I I spoiled everything. He said, I will get up from here. I will go to my father and tell him, Father, I don't deserve to be called your son anymore because I destroyed everything. I'm not worthy to be called your son. I sinned against you and also against God. Treat me like one of your servants. The father, the loving father, ran to this boy, hugged him, and said, boy, come home. You are lost, but you are found. You are dead, but you are alive. If any person be in Christ, he is a new creation. Who is responsible for that? God Almighty. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto God. God bless you all. Now I, I am excited to hear the message from Pastor Steve McCoy. Pastor Steve.
0: After searching for so many years, you can tell why I, uh, I found the gospel in all of its fullness, and uh, as God uh, spoke through uh, Pastor Titus. You know, it's, an, it's kind of an odd topic when you read the book of John, that we're looking at the creation story, because in the past weeks we have been looking at the Christmas story through the lenses of a Christmas story that we don't normally look at. Typically, when we look at the Christmas story, we go to the book of Matthew or the book of Luke, and that's where we find the traditional, conventional Christmas story. But as we said before, the beginning of books are very important, and, and they, they give a message and they give a flavor of, of what the writer, the gospel story writer, was trying to say. And so when we look at Matthew, he begins with a genealogy that takes us all the way back to Abraham because he wants us to understand that Jesus was the promised messiah and he wants us to see that messianic line that that heritage that lineage that traces all the way back through Jewish heritage we see that mark begins with no story because no genealogy because he's trying to tell us that Jesus was a servant We see that Luke takes us back all the way to Adam because he's wanting us to see the humanity of Christ. And just to remind us, we see John start where the Bible begins with the words, in the beginning. And so when you look at the Christmas story through the the lenses of, of of the gospel writer John, you think, what in the world does the creation story... Uh, have to do with Christmas? Is there a fly on my face right now? I was pretty sure there was. <laughs> There's a different. I, I just now I have to say it. I wonder why there was no fly on Titus because you know one, one of us took a shower and the other one I guess barely didn't. <laughs> so we look at we look at this Christmas story and we find the creation as as. Uh, as Titus so powerfully declared this morning, that in the book of John, we're told that all things were made through Christ, and then he, as as if he reinforces that message and says, nothing that was made was not made without Christ. And he's like, what does this have, what does this connection have to do with the Christmas story? And I would propose to us that it has everything to do with the Christmas story. In fact, the Christmas story, the birth of Christ, would be impossible without a direct connection to the, to the creation and to a creator. It is, the, it is the unexplainable miracle of the birth of Christ that can only be attached to a creator. And the, and the similarities are, are stunning. You remember the Bible begins, obviously, with these words, in the beginning. The gospel of John begins with these words, in the beginning. So right from the start, John is saying to us, there is a connection here, and then he's the one that brings up the creator. Then you look at the virgin birth, that Mary had not been with a man, and yet she gave birth to a child. And so we look back at the first verses of Genesis in chapter 1 and verse 1 and 2, and I want you to see the amazing connection between the the opening-in-the-beginning story of Genesis and the the opening-in-the-beginning story of John. Watch this. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 2, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, verse 2. Now, the earth was formless and empty. There was nothing there. It had no shape, no form, no life. And darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. This is how the creation story begins. In an environment where there was nothing and the Spirit of God was hovering Now we look at Mary, and we look at an empty womb where it was formless. There was no life. There was was nothing of shape. And you say, how in the world can this be? You look at the gospel story, the Christmas story in the book of Luke in chapter 1 and verse 35, and watch this. Mary said, how in the world can this happen? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will hover. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the the power of the Most High will hover, will overshadow. We see the Creator in the beginning hovering over this formless matter, mass, and now we see the exact same thing happening in the Christmas story. The two are extremely connect it and it's stunning to us this is why as titus said many there're many theories because human beings if we can't figure things out we must make a theory we are averse sometimes to mystery and yet god is mysterious god is god is one that that is not going to allow our human minds. We don't have the capacity to fully understand the Trinity or the virgin birth or eternity past or eternity future that we've only been given a a very limited capacity to understand it. And in a way, God beautifully gives us mystery so that by faith we trust in God and we begin to put our dependence in him rather than the dependence on everything that we can explain. If we can explain everything, we don't need faith. If we can explain everything, we don't depend on God. If we can explain everything, we depend on ourselves. So Mary, like us, asked this question in the the story of Luke chapter one, and now we're gonna back up a verse. I'm gonna give you this verse several times. When the angel came to her and said, you're going to bear a son, naturally, She would say, because she had not been with a man, how how is this happening? I'm stunned. This is impossible, right? In verse 34, she said, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. I've said it many times. The thing I really like about the Bible is it's real. It's not that someone, it's not a collection of like Mary would say, you know, in in a fable, she would say, oh, I completely, I'm fine with that. You're going to have a baby even though you're a virgin. Sure, I'm fine with that. But rather, she's real. She goes, I'm freaked out. I don't understand. How is this going to happen? And then the answer comes that we just read. The angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God, the Son of the Creator. Now watch this. In verse 36, he says, hey, if that's not enough for you, Elizabeth, your relative, is going to even have a child in her old age. But notice the first word, even, even Elizabeth, your relative, who is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be formless, lifeless, to be barren, even she is in her sixth month. When we read this story, it reminds me of one of the important dimensions of the Christmas story. It's not that just that Christ has come, which is marvelous in and of itself. But there is a level of hope that is built into this story. Because we look at our lives and we say, this is what is being said of me. This is the the thing that is being said of me. I can't get over this. I can't do this. I am this way. I am am not able to change. And so when you look at the story of Elizabeth, especially in that culture, it was a stigma to be barren. In fact, in some of the cultures of that time, it was justification for divorce. Not from God, from humans. There was such a stigma and such a label that you know Elizabeth had lived with this all her life just like Abraham and Sarah. And when it says, the word of God says that she's not just barren, but who was said to be barren? There are voices in our lives that say you can't do that. You can't be that, you will always be that, and sometimes the loudest voice doesn't come from outside our head, it comes from inside our head. There are times that we have convinced ourselves this is who I am, this is who i 'll always be. blew it again. I knew it, everybody tells me i 'm this way, and i 'll reiterate the 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 scripture verse that Titus brought to us in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. There is a new possibility. And this is only possible because we have a creator. You see, the the thing that comes out of a formless, the thing that comes out of a lifeless, the thing that comes out of barrenness can only happen because of a creator. If people have a tough time believing that there's a creator of the universe, then the virgin birth becomes impossible. Then Elizabeth's baby becomes impossible. Then Abraham, Abraham and Sarah, it becomes impossible. Without a creator, there's no splitting of the Red Sea. There's no floating of the axe head with Elijah. There's, there's no miracles of multiplication of fish with, with Jesus. There's nothing without a creator. That's why the creator is an important part of the story, because without a creator who has the capacity to create ex nihilo, which means something out of nothing, then the Christmas story is absolutely impossible. So it's not, it is not unusual for Mary to say, how is this possible? Because it echoes the same voice that you and I have when we look in the mirror and say, how is this possible? How can I get over myself? How can I, how can I change that thing that's inside of me that has lived with me like, and stuck with me like Velcro? And, and, and we, we relate to the people that have come face to face with God. For example, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5. When Isaiah came face to face with God, he says, woe is me. I'm ruined. I'm reckless. I'm barren. I'm without life. I recognize that there's nothing. I'm a man of unclean lips. It's like the earth at its beginning. I'm there, and darkness covered the earth. And Isaiah's darkness covers me. Peter comes along and says the same thing when he encounters Christ. When Simon Peter saw this, he at knee, Jesus' knees and Go away from me, Lord, because darkness covers my life. I'm a sinful man. I'm without form. I'm without, I I have darkness in my life. And then the Christmas story, this is where it comes alive for us. It's just not a historical event written in some book that's 2,000, some story that's 2,000 years old. This story comes alive every time we look in the mirror. And we recognize that without a creator, none of us stand a chance. Without a creator, we'll continue to look at something without form, without void, without hope. And then God comes along. And it's just not God the Savior, it's God the creator. Because see, if if God is the creator, then he has the power over creation. This is why all throughout the the Christmas story, there are miracles of creation. God navigated uh, later after the, you know, when Christ was a child, he navigated the the star. Why? How could he do that in the Christmas story? Because he made it. He can navigate and move what he made. I can do the same. I can make a birdhouse. I can take the top off. God said in Isaiah 40, I've made every star and I've named every single one of them and since I made them, I can move them. I made the Red Sea and because I made it, I can move it. And because I made your heart and your soul and your personality, I can move it. And this is the hope of a creator. And so when we read the story again, Mary says in Luke chapter 134, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin, since I am I am a, a barren, how can this be? God, I've been selfish all my life. I've been greedy all my life. I've lusted all my life. I've had temper all my life. I've been lazy all my life. God, I'm, I'm without life. How can this be? Who of us have not asked that question of ourselves? Who, who of us have not stomped our foot like, ah, I did it again. I didn't do it again. How can this be? And the answer is here. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will hover. It's nothing you can do. It's up to the Creator as we surrender our hearts. So the Holy One will be born to you, Mary, and to call the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be barren, he who is said to be angry, he who is said to be selfish, he who said that that you're a, a, a liar, whatever that thing is that you would fill in the blank, what people have told you and you've told yourself, and God then gives to us the hope in the Christmas story. For nothing is impossible with the creator. This is why Christ came. This is why Christ showed the miracles. He said, I want you to know I have power over creation. I have power over the darkness of the world. I have power over demons. I have power over sickness. I have power over everything on earth because I made it. This is the hope and the power of Christ. So, not only are we a new creation, as, as Titus said, but, and so we are not just called to be changed, we are called to be used. God does not just save us, He's called, He saved us to be used for Him to have that ministry of reconciliation. We're seeing, we see in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 for we are God's workmanship. It's a word for masterpiece. He made us, he created us, created in Christ Jesus. We are a new creation if we are in Christ, created in Christ Jesus to be used, to do good works, which God has prepared for us to do in advance. When I read that story, I'm reminded of the day I wandered into that church, 234 Franklin Street, Cambridge. I didn't want to be used of God, because I didn't even know what that meant. I just wanted to find God. I just wanted to find him. I was like that prodigal who had convinced himself that I am without form, that I am barren, that my life is worth not much to God. In fact, I had convinced myself, as I've told some of you, that I had gone too far, that there was no forgiveness. So for, all, for me, I just began to, man, I, I just wanted to, to, to be saved. I didn't know that lingo. But I wanted to find God. Because I knew that there was a break, a gap between me and God. And like a prodigal, my head was hung low. And like the prodigal, I said, God, I'm just here. I want to know you. I want to meet you. What I didn't know is that God had bigger plans for all of us, but bigger plans than just to make sure everything was okay between me and him. This is not the purpose of God. Just to make sure we're okay. Just to make sure we're not going to hell. Just to make sure we're we're safe in heaven. That's not the purpose of God because when we read 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that if any man is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation, we read right after that that he has now given to us that ministry of reconciliation, that ministry of multiplying ourselves. So when Titus came was coming to my house last night, I began to dig through the archives, and I found the little Bible that was given to me when I was baptized. And nestled in that little Bible, I, I found some pictures, some I'm too embarrassed to show. <laughs> I, uh, in fact, was showing uh, Daniel uh, last night. Uh, his great nephew, uh, Titus's great nephew, and, and uh, he said, wow, where do you get glasses that big anymore? <laughs> yeah, back then, they were like, <laughs> you could go diving with those, you know, like goggles on the, <laughs> um, I saw that, I found this picture, this is my baptism, there's Titus on the left, and uh, there's me in the in the center, and uh, it was in a, a lake in Massachusetts in August, and the water is still cold in August in Massachusetts <laughs> I had no idea that God would. Use a person like me. I just wanted to be rescued. See, this is a miracle of the Christmas story. You got this unknown woman, Mary, who says, Wait a minute, I'm nothing. And God said, Oh no. I want to use you, not because of your greatness of speech, not because of your great intellect. I want to use you because I use people that will yield their hearts to me. And week after week after week after week, I sat on the second floor of my apartment building with a man who convinced me that it was more than being saved. That the creator, when he said, I'll make you a new creation, and you create it to do great things for the kingdom, he really meant it. I bet you there's some people sitting here today who have said of themselves, I'm just... I'm just a, a plumber. I'm just a, an accountant. I'm just whatever you are. <clears throat> Some have said of themselves, I'm landlocked in who I am and I'll never do great things for God. And I think the Christmas story reminds us today that that would be all true. Everything we think of ourselves in a negative light would be all true. We'd all be stuck if there were not a creator. And so we see, since we have a creator, he can move mountains. He can split seas and he can bring life where there's no form. There was a, there's a picture that I wanted to show uh, Titus so badly last night, but I'm going to, I'm going to show him for the first time today. And the reason I'm doing that is in second Timothy chapter two, verse two. We are to commit these things to faithful men so that they in turn can teach others. Our church, Titus, as you see it, is a church of what we call small circle. That means a church of one-to-one relationships. There are are over 140 people in one-to-one discipleship in our church. And even beyond that 140, uh, there are people in close relationship, and that comes from investment of one life to the next. Last week, I was in the Dominican Republic, and uh, I was there with 95 churches, over a hundred pastors. And some of them have already begun their journey. And one to one discipleship, and now we 're hearing stories, and God is using this church using the investment that, that Titus God made through you into one individual, and this is the multiplication that we have this is this is the heartbeat of this church Amen. that we don 't just come to sing songs and hear a message, but we 're serious about believing that god can use us one to one one to one one to one from the second floor of an apartment on 240 franklin street um, our church is now overflowing into the world and this is the picture of last week yeah we could have all of you that are in, one, one-to-one deci- uh, in one-to-one relationships in this church, get up and take a picture. And this is a, this is a picture of us. Amen. This is a picture of the replication of, of the culture that God has created. Let's end with a question. How in the world can this be? How in the world can this be that God would use people that that look and smell like we do. Sometimes with flies on us. This is the hope nestled in the Christmas story. With God, nothing is impossible. He saved us, but he saved us to use us. Don't ever believe any other voice. Don't ever believe any other voice, including your own. Father, how grateful we are. Each of us could say around this room, those men, a man or a woman who have poured into our lives, it's the very heartbeat God of this church, as you know, and we could all say, to, we could all name out that, that person who invested in us, and that's the reason we're here. But the larger narrative, God, is the only reason that any of us are here is that Christ came. That Christ came and, and through the, the miracle of the Creator. And there may be those sitting here today that completely and deeply connect with the sense that they're just stuck. You feel stuck with their personality, with their situation, with their illness, with their job, whatever that thing may be. And And the message God that you give to us today is that with God, nothing is impossible. And Father, that doesn't mean you work all things to human success but you work all things to to God's glory to your glory and so father I we begin to pray this morning for those who come in and they feel barren they feel empty they feel without life and somehow it feels just like this planet at the beginning that darkness seems to cover them and they can't see past that darkness somehow and today, God. We pray that they'll see the light of a creator, the hope of a creator who can move mountains and split seas, who can bring something out of nothing. And for whatever that thing is that they face and that whatever thing that is that they carry, whatever that thing is that that seems so stuck to them, we pray that that the power of the Holy Spirit will overshadow them to give them hope, to give them peace, to give them transformation, God. There may be people here today, God, that just feel like, "My, there's no way that God could ever use me. Today, you, through the power of your word, you give us a different story. You give us a different narrative, God different than the one perhaps others have told us or perhaps that we've told ourselves God sometimes our own inner voice is louder and becomes louder than yours so I'm praying God that the voice that your voice God from a loving father will penetrate that voice that says you're worthless and you can't be used Finally, God, as believers in Christ, we join together in this moment. And we pray for those who, who find themselves without you. We, find, we pray, God, for those who know, just like the prodigal did, that there's, there's too great a distance between them and you. We feel like perhaps there's no hope that you could forgive them, that you could love them. So we pray God that you would overshadow them in this moment, hover that your love would be absolutely irresistible. And that they would raise their heart and raise their hand to heaven and say, "Me, God, it's me. It's me that needs you today. We pray God that you'll give hope to that that person that says, "Oh, I need God so much, just like I did, God, over 35 years ago, in that moment of realization, I need a savior. I need a savior. I need, I need to bridge the gap between between me and you. As our heads are bowed, our, we're in this moment of hovering. I wanna remind you of something, if that's you today, I wanna to remind you of something. God loves you so much that he sent Christ, his son, to earth, to take on the penalty of the sin that we'd all have to pay. And he said, I'll pay it for you. It's not what we do to earn our way to God, it's what Christ has done. And by faith, you say, God, I I wanna reach out to you, God, today, and I'm asking you, to embrace me with your love. I'm asking you, God, to forgive all my sins through Christ and what he's done already on the cross. And I will follow you. You have my trust. There are times where we just pause in our service and allow you to respond to God, not being embarrassed at all. We're we're all praying. We're all praying for you. And like I did 35 years ago, I'm wondering if there's one, a person here today that would privately slip up their hand and, and say, hey, for the first time, I want God in my life, and I, I want to pray for you. And we're, we'll just pause here. Is there anyone here today that say, I want, I need Christ in my life. I want Christ in my life. not awkward we're we're relaxed in the spirit of God we're relaxed here together God is moving your heart we're praying for you God is hoping for you God is pursuing you Father our our thankfulness is deeper than we know how to express I'm so grateful God for our family getting to to meet and to know Pastor Titus, Miriamma, Daniel, thank you for them being here today and, and for, what it, for what it means, God, not just to me personally, but, God, what it pictures for us, that one relationship investing in another relationship and investing in another relationship, nothing is impossible, God, with you. To see what you can do and see how you can multiply, God, There's not one single person that's not stunned by what you can do. So we end, God, thanking you that nothing is impossible for the great creator of not only this universe, but our soul. So God, praise God from whom all blessings flow. We love you. In Jesus' name.